and live. Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Friday, this weekend, to talk about this past week in EOS. And there's a ton of news to talk about. We're going to talk about the new governance proposals, Mark Zuckerberg, and a bunch of other stuff. But before we dive into it, I do need to mention that if this is your first time here, be sure that subscribe button is hit and leave a like as well. It really does help us. And if you're returning, hit that like button as well and leave a go EOS in live chat so that we know that you are joining us today. The last thing I need to mention is that nothing Zach or I say should ever be taken as legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. We're just two people online talking about open source software and you shouldn't listen to us. And of course, it's safe to assume that any tokens we talk about, we do also own for purposes of disclosure. And Zach, what will happen to people if they listen to us with what to do with their money? I I think they'll get wrecked. I I think they would absolutely get wrecked if they listen to us on everything because we're not always right. (laughs) Nobody's always right. You should always do your own research on everything you do. You should absolutely never, ever trust a stranger on on the internet. Um, But... I'm gonna I'm gonna go 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 I'm gonna skip the first topic because I want to get to the second topic because I said you should never That's trust it. a stranger on the internet and a stranger <laughs> on the internet uh, did something hilarious yesterday and I'm talking about uh, Mark Zuckerberg so I, I I don't know what to think of this I I, I think it's nothing uh, but as as you can see on the screen uh, Mark Zuckerberg posted a um, a message on on Facebook because he doesn't have a Twitter. And he said, I've been writing a speech about my views on voice and free expression that I'm giving tomorrow. It's the most comprehensive take I've written about my views. I don't I don't even write the screen up. Whoops. Uh, I just messed myself up, but whatever he, he mentioned voice. So like he telegraphed it like the day before he, he like mentioned voice. So it got like my attention. I tweeted it out. It got bloomers attention. He tweeted it out. And then everyone was tuning in for the speech yesterday, and that was Thursday, uh, October 18th, I guess it was. Uh, 17th, yeah. So, like, yesterday, everyone was, like, at the edge of their seats, like, watching this speech. Zuckerberg mentioned the word voice, voicing, or, like, voices 35 times in the video. (laughs) (laughs) If you guys uh, haven't had a chance yet, I posted a, a video on our YouTube yesterday. Like immediately after this thing, I thought it was hilarious. I spliced together a video of all 35 times of him saying voice. It literally sounded like he was talking about voice.com and like block one's voice. But I, I really think it was it was just a coincidence, but it was uh, one of the funniest things I, I, I ever saw. In it. But but I'm still kind of on the edge of my seat thinking like, what if it is true? What do you think about this, Rob? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't know. I think it's just a a really happy coincidence. But what was most surprising to me is that this sort of implies that Mark isn't aware of what Block One is doing with Voice.com, which I think is is probably a very good thing and gives them less time to try to pivot or or prevent Block One from launching it. But uh, if you haven't already, check out that video on this same channel, Everything EOS that Zach made. He did a tremendous job with that mashup uh, that puts all the the voice segments together. Uh, in Mark Zuckerberg's speech. So did did, uh, did you have a chance to watch M Blue Cryptos? He just posted it like an hour ago. I know. Uh, he put together like a music video of all of like the time Zuckerberg says voice and then he mixes in some like stuff from B1 June of like Brendan and Dan oh, talking nice. about it. It's really, really, really good. Uh, another awesome. quick plug for a video on the Everything EOS channel is, I uh, and it, it, it's about voice also, is um, the Britney Kaiser uh, full presentation from uh, Blockchain Week in Korea at the EOS community event with Liquid Apps and uh, Node One and Blockstart. Uh, we posted that full video the other day also. Uh, that's been getting a lot of traffic. So just a lot of exciting news about voice this week. Uh, 
we'll, we'll get into the um, other reason it's important, but I want to backtrack one topic because uh, Rob actually ha uh, put out a video today about his new uh, Cypher Glass DSP, and he wanted to let everyone know about uh, some of his services on that. Definitely. So you guys can check this out at youtube.com slash cypherglass. Just search cypherglass on YouTube and you'll see it. Uh, the video has all the details, but basically we launched a new website recently at cypherglass.com uh, with new DSP services on the DAP network, as well as other services like consulting services for DAPs uh, and so much more. So head on over to cypherglass.com, click on DAP services and uh, let us know what you think and what you want to see in the future. And as the DAP network and the Liquid Apps team release more services, we'll be sure to add them as well. So exciting times. Very, very exciting times. We got some new technology that came out on the DAP network this week. Yeah. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get into that uh, a couple topics from now. But uh, the first topic I would like to cover, uh, well, it's like the second or third topic, actually. But EOSIO 1.8. So we, we talked about 2.0 last week, uh, but we got to backtrack to 1.8 because uh, even though 1.8 was activated by all of the block producers, the only bill first authorizer, and I think there were a few other things that, that weren't activated uh, until very recently. You kind of want to explain what that is, Rob? Yeah, so 1.8 was uh, actually activated on the mainnet or, or upgraded successfully um, coming up on about a month ago now. This was back on September 25th, and that was a success. But what most people didn't realize is that the top 21 block producers, 15 out of 21, had to come together and sign three different multi-sig proposals to actually activate those features. So I tweeted a, a bit of a disgruntled tweet a few days ago saying like, why hasn't this happened yet? And fortunately, um, this week as well, shortly after that tweet, all three of the proposals have been passed. So all of the 1.8 features are now active on the EOS mainnet um, and can now be used. So that last little thing that we were waiting for voice to actually be possible is now here on the EOS mainnet. So the ball is officially back in Block One's court. That's awesome. So now, now uh, we can finally say, like we've been saying that like now with 1.8, dApps could pay for resources on behalf of their users. But it was kind of a half truth because it wasn't fully activated, but now it is fully activated. Yeah. And uh, I have up on the screen Jesta, or also known as Aaron Cox from Gray Mass. He's using like his real name now because I think he realized that B1 June, no one knew what his real name was. Everyone, like everyone just knew him as Jesta. <laughs> uh, but he's already been cranking away at uh, new concepts and ideas that are now possible that weren't possible before. And one of them was the ability to create a QR code that basically man uh, delegates the resources on behalf of the user who would like take a picture of that QR code to, to instigate the transaction. Uh, and he has, uh, I think he has a GitHub with, with some of this. He says he, um, I don't have it up on the screen. I, I think he submitted code. I don't have the whole thread up on the screen on my on my notes here. But you guys can check that out if you're interested in the QR code, or just go to the uh, Gray Mass Telegram channel. But uh, he actually did something else today too. You pointed out this this tweet to me. Uh, you want to yeah. kind of explain what what this release is with the Swift library? Yeah, so this is pretty exciting. Um, it looks like Graymass has been working on an EOSIO library in Swift, which is the native programming language for iOS. If you're building on an iPhone or an iPad or on Mac, uh, you're generally using Swift today. So this will definitely help developers interact with EOSIO smart contracts in iOS, macOS, and uh, Linux more broadly. So pretty exciting and just sort of opens up the gates a little bit further to allow more developers to build more types of applications on EOS and EOSIO. Awesome. Next topic. I, 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 I'm going to be talking a lot on this topic. So you want to yeah. kind of in, in, tell, tell the story of the chess challenge and we can, we can kind of start from there. And that's kind of what, what led to this. Absolutely. So way back on, I guess not too long ago, about a month ago on September 21st, Rami James uh, from Scatter, you know him as the, the developer there, 
Um, he came up with a tweet that said, I have a dare for you, chess. The two players put into a pot that goes into escrow. 99% of the winnings goes to the winner, 1% goes to the developers, and put it all on the blockchain to prevent cheating. So essentially, he sort of issued this chess challenge to any EOS developer that wanted to take it on, and it spawned this incredible thread from Nolio on Twitter yeah, that we've been following Nolio. over the last couple of weeks. Shout out Nolio, absolutely, at G-N-O-L-L-I-O on Twitter. You can check out the whole thread and, and all the different tips he has for US developers. But uh, we saw, obviously, that, that Liquid Apps came out with their own version of chess. Of course, it works. It's on the blockchain. It's sort of an immortal dApp that uses a bunch of dApp network services. But at the same time, it doesn't actually fully fulfill the requirements of Rami James' chess challenge of having the ability to deposit and sort of bet against your opponent. So somebody could take that and build on top of it. It looks like Nolio might actually be the first to claim this challenge as well, um, since he's still actively working on chess and, and looks like should mm -hmm. be releasing his version here soon too. Yeah, Rob pointed this out to me whenever we were going over our notes right before we went, went on here. I was like, yeah, Tao won the chess challenge. And R Rob pointed out he did not. There were a lot of... Uh, requirements that that weren't fulfilled but uh it, i think what he pulled off was, was even more insane so basically uh with, with the chess app actually uh he, he basically um got got vcpu with liquid apps up up to speed and it, i i i'm gonna mess up here if i say i don't know if it's in wip work in progress or alpha right now it's definitely early stages but um he released VCPU and we released VCPU with uh, the, the Immortal Chess. And what VCPU basically introduces is it introduces something that we've been talking or, uh within EOSIO itself, we've been talking about for a very long time. And that is horizontally scalable parallel processing. And what that means is actually, Rob, you have like the best explanation of parallel processing, that, that, that multi-lane highway explanation you do. Yeah. Let, let, let's hear it one more time. So if you think of EOS right now as a single lane highway with a relatively fast speed limit, the, the speed limit on the EOS highway is much faster than the speed limit on the Ethereum or Bitcoin highways, um, but it's still a single lane. You know, If you have a transaction in front of you, another car, you can't just go around it and cut in line. You sort of have to wait for all of those transactions to be processed in a row um, before a new transaction can be processed and sent through. But with parallel processing or, or multi-threaded as it's sometimes called, you can essentially have a multi-lane highway where a bunch of transactions for cars can be processed and go through at the same time, which obviously does wonders for computation. It does wonders for developers building on uh, EOS and EOSIO chain. So it's super exciting to see that this is really yeah. the first real step I think we've seen anyone take into truly enabling developers to build applications that utilize uh, parallel processing like this. So huge shout out to the Liquid Apps team that just continues to deliver uh, with the DAF network. Yeah, I... I, I... I appreciate that. Uh, I just want to point out on, on the liquid chest, it, it it blows my mind because I'm not the one building this stuff. Like my the the the, the company I work for, the the, the team I, I I I am with is building this. Like like Tao, uh, Nathan Rempel, uh, Nat, Pete, Peter K. Like the, these are the guys. Neb also. Uh, we just hired Neb from Infiniverse. If you guys nice. uh, didn't see that news, another top top developer. Uh, yeah. They're the ones building this stuff, not me. And it, it just blows my mind. So with, with the Immortal Chess app that came out with vCPU, one, it has parallel processing because the AI is actually on chain. Like Tal built a, a, a simple AI like, like for the chess engine and it, it is literally like on chain. Like that's never been done before as far as I, I, I know. It, definitely not on EOS. 
uh, because we we do have AI companies like Effect AI, but right now they're doing like uh, AI training, like they're they're doing the mic uh, Effect Force, and Effect yeah. Force is is like micro tasks with humans. It's not quite doing AI yet, and like blockchain there's no limitation now from something like this. So that was impressive. The The app was completely decentralized front to back end. Uh, the, uh, the front end stored on IPFS storage. Uh, the back end is all, all on chain, obviously on EOS IO and, and DAP network. And it, it's, it's just insane. Uh, basically yeah. well, if so oh, go ahead, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. Like the way the reason these things are called immortal apps is because right now it's like built on like a test net network. So like it, it's not actually immortal because like we could just turn the servers off or turn the whole blockchain off because it's a test net. But if, if you could imagine an application that was built on the main net uh, using these DSP services for the front end, the back end, EOSIO smart contracts, all of these things that, that can't be taken down. And then you just stake enough tokens to it to cover whatever the the cost is so like if the cost is for the cpu or the the vram or whatever you have enough stake that that you won't have to worry about it and you could literally have a smart contract that basically says find a dsp that runs this service and then just like run through all of them because eventually the network should have like hundreds or maybe even thousands of different dsps offering all uh, similar services so you could actually have a contract that just runs through this carousel of dsps and determines like which one has this service available for the price i'm willing to pay and this could all be done in a smart contract and it, it could be immortal like you could burn the keys you could run it with a DAC, yeah. but it, it's something that can never be taken down and and this this is tal's second application of that because he, he dropped uh the liquid elemental battles a, a while ago too uh, uh yeah th well that i think is Honestly, that feature alone, that, that sort of combination of features that makes dApps potentially immortal where they can't be taken down, even the DNS is decentralized and I guess on-chain in some way with Liquid DNS, another service from the dApp network. I think that's the most exciting part of this to me because when I first got into, um, I guess not crypto originally, uh, that, that was long before, but first got into Ethereum and sort of smart contracts and all that stuff. What really excited me was, oh, you can build something that can't be taken down. But really, that was never the case because all components of the stack weren't decentralized in the proper way. But now, with the DAP network, some of that is actually becoming possible, where you could have, for example, a decentralized exchange with no owner, nobody really running it that cannot be taken down. And these potential applications are what gets me so excited for the DAP network and all of the stuff that uh, could come in the future. So I'm really looking forward to it. And again, a huge shout out to the Liquid Apps team for just continuing to deliver. It's only been, I don't know, what, eight months or something like that? And they just keep release after release after release after release. So it, it's been amazing to watch. And I can't wait to see what they, they release between now and the rest of the year. I appreciate that. I. I I, I can't wait either, honestly. I, I, I can't yeah. wait to see what people are building. I know, Ramon, yeah. Ramon, if you're watching this, I know you're <laughs> building some really awesome things. I really can't wait to find out what they are. I don't know. I guess you're under NDA. I don't know, but I, I think you're building stuff. Uh, you hinted enough. Uh, and there's other people too. I know EOS Nation has a, their own DSP service that I think... Uh, they like quasi-released it. I think someone... I think Shintai spoiled it for them, what they're trying to, to release. But I'll let ES Nation uh, bring that up whenever they're ready. I think we've talked a lot about uh, the vCPU. It's awesome. Go check it out, uh, liquidapps.io. Um, but I think we got to get into these governance proposals. This has kind of Let's been the hot it. topic. I just want to point out, we're not going to spend 
a whole hour on this. Uh, if you want like a really good breakdown, Colin Talks Crypto just did one. He dropped it yesterday. I highly recommend you, you watch that. Uh, but this is going to hopefully be iterated on and, and change over time. So uh, the best place is probably on Telegram to keep up on this, but we'll, we'll do our best to kind of uh, fill in the gaps of where we can and also deep dive into some of our favorite and least favorite parts of each proposal. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you want to start with EOS New York, Dan, or do you, how, do you, how do you want to kick this off? Sure, yeah, I'll start with EOS New York. I'm just going to break it down in, in kind of different bullet points. And this was taken from some people on Twitter, from some of what we know about the proposal. Um, but essentially, we're just going to run through it and then focus on the points that we like the best or we want to go into a little bit more detail. But like Zach said, not going to be super, super in-depth. But essentially, EOS New York has a couple major changes. The first one that I want to point out is that one token 30 votes, meaning if you have one token, you can vote it across 30 block producers, is changed to one token, one divisible vote. So if I have 100 tokens, I can take those 100 tokens and vote them towards one block producer. If I vote to two, it gets divided in half to 50 each, to three, 33.33 each, et cetera, et cetera. So effectively, your vote weight is divided across all of the block producers you vote for, and you're incentivized to actually just vote for one block producer instead of 30. And that removes the ability for um, some of these, what have been referred to as cartel block producers, to cartelize and sort of vote trade within this system. It removes that incentive. But in addition to this, um, moving past that, inflation has some really interesting changes as well, where rather than the current 5% inflation that we have now that actually increases over time, it stays at 5%, but the amount of tokens increases over time because it compounds um, year after year, that will be changed to a flat 50 million EOS token inflation. So effectively, over time, the total inflation rate actually decreases over time as that flat 50 million becomes less than 5% of the supply over time. So after 10 years, it'd be roughly 3%. And Bitcoin mining today is roughly 3% as well. But after the halving in May, it'll be below that as well. And Ethereum at 14% today too, with no real cap. Um, so that's a big change, obviously, with inflation. One token, 30 votes becomes one token, one divisible vote. But beyond that, Rex will no longer have voting. And if you vote, there is now a cost to voting as well. And this is meant to sort of incentivize people who are uh, spinning up additional BPs and running them basically with one owner running multiple block producers. It's to incentivize them to just stake and earn rewards as well. So if you go in and you have EOS tokens, you as an EOS token holder can stake and earn your share of that inflation without having to sell your vote, without having to do any vote trading. You can just stake your tokens like you're doing now and actually earn a yield on them from that inflation. But if you want to vote for block producers, you can actually take a portion of the rewards you're getting and allocate it to those block producers you want to vote for all in the same account. So a good example is if I have 100 EOS tokens in my account, I'm earning you know a few percent on those tokens I have staked. And I want to take you know, 25 of those tokens and vote for Cypherglass, I can do that. But a portion of those rewards that I would essentially be sending to Cypherglass will actually be burned. And the reason for this is to disincentivize um, people basically voting for a bunch of blog producers or voting for themselves so that it's always more profitable just to stake your tokens than it is to vote for yourself. And this sort of forces people, like EOS New York said, to choose what their priority is on chain. Do they want to just make as much money as possible? Then go ahead and stake your tokens. Do you want power on the chain? Then okay, vote for yourself, but there will be a cost to voting for yourself to prevent this cartelization of the chain. And then there are some other interesting uh, sort of more minor changes as well. Um, 
where staking for net and CPU is actually separate from staking for voting. And uh, the way the block producers are paid will obviously be different as well with that previous mechanism that I talked about where block pay and vote pay that we have today will completely go away and everything will switch to only rank pay. So as an example, the number one block producer will always get one and a half percent of the total reward. The number two might get slightly less than that, three slightly less than that. And it's a more predictable sort of way um, of paying out block producers. And my favorite part of this entire proposal, honestly, because I think altogether all of these changes make a much better incentive system where people aren't incentivized to take over the chain with this sort of cartelization. People are incentivized to only run one block producer at max. But my favorite part is that if you miss blocks as a block producer, it actually reduces the total rewards for the voters. So voters are sort of incentivized to keep the block producers in check and say, hey, make sure you're not missing blocks and uh, should help the network become more stable overall. So I'm super excited about this proposal. Obviously, Cypherglass supported uh, the development of the proposal financially with our $10,000 uh, donation to it. So we yeah. are super excited about back, it. But can we backtrack a second? What, what, yeah, absolutely. What, could, you, could you kind of describe that $10,000, how it came about? Uh, did they ask for it? Did you offer it? And like, what's it actually uh, paying for? Yeah, so it's going towards the development of a lot of uh, this proposal. So some some of this is actually EOS New York has done a lot of the work with their development team to basically put out a roadmap of how this proposal could be implemented, how the smart contract changes on EOSIO on that core system level could be changed to make something like this possible. And that's where I think the proposal is the strongest in that it's not just a proposal of, hey, wouldn't this be cool if we did this thing? It's a proposal of, hey, it would be amazing if we did this to change the incentives. But in addition to that, we know it's actually possible to make these changes on chain. So that money basically went that development and that research to sort of outline that roadmap of how we would make those changes over time. And uh, as Kevin said on a recent interview, it, it would likely take up to a year to implement all of those different changes. It's, it would be in five or six different changing rounds, um, but is very possible on chain, which is the most exciting part of this. Because I think a lot of the governance proposals we saw in the past really had no path forward beyond just being a proposal. So do, do you think we should uh, hit Dan on a high level or do you think we should dive into some of the different pieces of New York or do you think we should go through both of them and then compare yeah, and contrast? I think we should. Why don't you hit Dan on a high level? And one thing I want to mention also is that um, I'll put a link to, to this in the live chat for those that want to follow along and read more on it. But ultimately what I'm hoping is that we can sort of take the best pieces from the EOS New York proposal, the best pieces from Dan's proposal, and ultimately reach consensus as a community and implement this. Because if we all just sit around forever talking about it, obviously we'll never get anywhere and never implement it, and we'll be stuck with the same governance system. So that is my hope with this, is that we take the best best of both worlds and, and ultimately make a new governance and an incentive system. So I'll link that in the live chat now. And why don't you go ahead and do the summary of Dan's changes? So for, first, I, uh, before I forget, I just want to point out, I, I mentioned Colin Talks Crypto's video from yesterday just because that's the most recent one. Like this week has been so full of stuff that I, I forgot stuff. These proposals just came out on Monday. Dan Dan dropped his proposal like a couple hours after ES New York. He couldn't even give him a full day in the sunlight after <laughs> waiting six months to put this out. <laughs> but uh yeah. just listening to rob explain it and then uh whatever we explain whenever we get back to it it's a very complicated proposal uh but that's because they tried to poke holes in it in so many different ways and it, it, it's a complicated problem to solve uh so yeah. oh, th that's what i'll say first is that dan's is much more simple 
but but I I think I like ES New York's a little bit better, and we'll get into why in a little bit. But um, and one thing I I forgot to mention that's very important important as well is the VIP or the voter inflection point. So you might say, hey, if I'm I'm going to make more money staking, wouldn't everybody vote and then leave the chain less secure than it is today? And yes, that wouldn't be the case without the VIP. But what the VIP does is basically sets a threshold, like say thirty percent, where if thirty percent of all of the tokens on the network are not voting for block producers, the the staking rewards for users basically get turned off. Inflation goes down to ten million that only goes to block producers. And until it hits that thirty percent or whatever it's set at um, inflection point, none of the the actual voters or stakers rather get rewards. So it incentivizes this interesting sort of game theory balance of should I vote for a block producer and and you know get some rewards or should I just try to stake and be selfish and maybe get no rewards? So it's a really interesting dynamic, but is a crucial part of that EOS New York proposal. How, how do you think that'll play out? I know what we just said we we're going to talk about Dan's, but do you think there would be a, an issue hitting the voter inflection point of 30%? And do you think 30% is the right number? Do you think 30% is the starting point? I think 30% is a good starting point. And, and this is a, a sort of a number that could be configured on chain after, I believe. So maybe we start with that. If it doesn't get hit for a while, we could always reduce it. But I think 30% will be relatively easy to hit based on the current number of tokens voting and the current number of tokens voting coming from exchanges. So I think a lot of these exchanges, Huobi, Bitfinex, really want to kind of keep their position of power within the ecosystem and that that sort of prestige of being a top 21 block producer. And they, more than anybody, are going to be incentivized to vote for themselves to keep that position in power and thus hopefully get us over that voter inflection point so that people can get staking rewards, including their users that might be staking off-chain as well. Um, the other, So I, I know we said we were going to go to dance, but I keep thinking, I know I'm going to forget this stuff if I don't talk about it now. Okay, yeah. Um, I just want to point this out because it may have been mentioned in a lot of these videos that have been going out. I, I can't remember everything I've heard or read. Um, but because of the flat numbers with the EOS New York proposal, as Rob said, it, it's 5% short-term, but it gets smaller long-term. But the thing we have to consider here is that there's always going to be liquid tokens. Like, not all tokens are staked. There's never, ever going to be a time where 100% of tokens are staked because there's always going to be a need for liquidity on exchanges. Uh, so what that means is since there's 50 million token inflation, 25 million of it's going to go to the BPs. That's always going to go to the BPs. It's always all going to, uh, the, the distribution's different. What, what I'm going to talk about here is the voter, the non-voter, I guess, distribution. So the non-voter rewards, the people that are not voting, getting the 5% just for staking. Uh, that 25 million pool is actually going to take in token, like, it's going to get split by by less than 100% of the people not voting because all of the liquid tokens are going to like get it's kind of like rex where right. uh the higher supply with the lower or, uh, i'm getting mixed basically, up on uh, basically what you're saying is the the less people that are staking the more the stakers earn yes yes on i it might be on both sides i, I i'm not 100% this just popped into my head but so i think whenever we're talking about 5% inflation uh, where like if you're a non-voter, let's say, a non-voter reward is 5%, and that's what we're talking about right now, it's actually probably going to be significantly higher than that. I could see it being like 7 or 8% actually, depending on how many liquid EOS there are on different exchanges and if the exchanges implement staking or not. Uh, so, so that's interesting. It's actually going to be higher than 5%. There, there's no way it could ever be 5% because that would mean 100% of the tokens are staked. Right. All right. So I, I guess we can go to Dan's. This is a little all over the place. I apologize if it's confusing, but there's a lot to soak in right now. There's a lot to explain. 
Uh, so to kick off Dan's proposal, Dan's has a, a th oops, let me get it up on the screen. It's on my screen, not the video screen. There it is. All right, so his is a three and a half percent flat proposal. Uh, how about this? How about how about whenever I get to something I want to revert back to the US New York, we'll just go uh, one by one with this. So sure. Dan's is a three and a half percent proposal change from the one percent it is today. Uh, whereas EOS New York's is higher today, which is five percent today. But then in 10 years, I don't, I don't know when it would hit this point, but at th it, I did the math and in 10 years, it would be 3%. Yep. So over 10 years, the EOS New York proposal would actually have less inflation than Dan's. Uh, and I don't know when they would hit uh, like an equilibrium where they're both 3.5%. I didn't do that math. But which do you prefer, a percentage-based inflation or a token-based inflation? I definitely prefer the flat token-based inflation just because then over time, you know that inflation basically decreases versus in Dan's proposal having compounding inflation where the number of new tokens minute each year would actually go up every year. So I definitely prefer that part of the EU's New York proposal. All right. Th these are pretty easy to compare. One token, yeah. one vote, but the votes can only vote for one BP. Do you, So they're both one token, one vote, but there's a, a significant difference in, in the way you vote. So one vote- Honestly, I is divisible and one's not. Yeah, I don't think this really makes a difference because you can always divide up your votes. If I have 100 votes and I want to vote for two BPs, I can divide them up into two accounts and vote for two BPs that way. So this seems kind of like an arbitrary restriction where I think one token, one divisible vote is just easier from a UX perspective so that users don't have to make multiple accounts to vote for multiple which, BPs. Which is funny because uh, I don't think I have it up on my screen right now, but Dan actually put an article out that was titled how trustless contracts could overcome artificial restrictions. And what you hmm. just described is a restriction that Dan included in his proposal, which is one token, one vote for one BP only. That's an artificial restriction because you can get around it very easily by spreading your ES out over multiple accounts. So what you're saying is one token, one divisible vote, you get the same end result, but you're removing all that friction of having to do multiple accounts. I like that. Yeah. So Absolutely. I, I think community should take note of that one. And that's what we're trying to do here is find like the low hanging fruits. Like there's some things that just make more sense than the other one, but it just sometimes takes uh, walking through them a little bit. All right. So then uh, back to the dance. Rex doesn't have voting on, on Dan's changes either. So that was the same yep. as on EOS New York, correct? Yep, yep. Yep. Same on number three. All right. Then this next one is probably the most exciting feature. This is my absolute favorite feature out of both proposals. Uh, and I, I've been told that this is also similar to how EOS Force uh, does their voting. Uh, Interesting. I, yeah, like we'd never really talk about them. They don't really yeah. have a presence in the West. Uh, and EOS Weekly disappeared, and he was the one telling us about them before. <laughs> uh, but I think theirs has staking limits of up to two years, whereas Dan proposed uh, different six different pools, one for three months, six months, one year, two year, five year, and ten year. Uh, you want to kind of explain this a little bit so I can gather my thoughts and add the, the next uh, bit to this? Yeah, so this is my favorite feature of Dan's proposal as well that I think should be incorporated into the EOS New York proposal. Um, but effectively, all of these different pools each receive their own relative portion of the total inflation. So you can imagine that there's not going to be a lot of people that want to lock up their EOS in a contract for 10 years. So you're likely going to be able to earn a pretty high yield on the EOS that you put into that 10-year bucket. But if you want to make maybe less of a yield, but keep it up, keep it locked up for less time as well, you could choose the five-year or the two-year, the one-year, six-month, or three-month bucket. So either way, you're locking your EOS up for a considerable amount of time. Um, but what that does is sort of 
incentivizes some people who are willing to hold for longer to lock up their EOS to then receive a higher yield. So I think this is super interesting. And Dan basically has the inflation split up equally among each of those pools. So you can imagine the three month will likely be the most popular with decreasing popularity up to 10 year. But this is definitely my favorite part of this as well, especially since you could theoretically uh, stake to multiple of these. I could put maybe 10% of my EOS in the 10 year, 10 in the five year, 10 in the two year, and sort of split it all up accordingly, um, which I just find fascinating. And I also like how it's all proportional. So each pool, there's six different time durations of, of staking. Uh, and they all have 5 million uh, tokens per year each. And that's in vote power and inflation, I think. So let's assume there's 100 tokens instead of uh, 5 million, because 100 is just easier to do math. Say there's 100 tokens in each pool. And it's 100% of the voting power of whatever tokens are in there. Uh, if Rob and I are only two people staking in the 10-year pool, and he's staking half of them and I'm staking half of them, we're basically getting, even if we don't have, so there's 5 million tokens in this pool, but even if Rob and I collectively only have 1,000 tokens, we're getting the voting weight of all 5 million of those tokens. Or, or proportion to those 5 million tokens. So basically, the less people or less token weight that they're staking into each pool, the more uh, yield it gets. So it's going to get higher uh, interest yield. And it's also going to give you more vote power. And yeah. it, it, that, that's how you interpret it also. I think it's pretty cut and dry, but... Uh, yeah, the, the vote weight, it says, is based upon the sum of your percentage ownership of each pool. So your vote weight will actually go up if there are less people in that pool is the way I understand it as yeah. well. But what I love about this also is that I think this mimics a lot of traditional financial instruments. And when we talk about DeFi, decentralized finance or distributed finance, um, this sort of comes into play. You can imagine, you know, you go to the bank, you can earn a higher yield based on how long you lock up your money in something like a CD, a certificate of deposit. You know, a 10-year CD is obviously going to give you a much higher yield than, say, a six-month or a 12-month CD. But I think it's cool because it gives that option to EOS holders as well and can also force you to hobble. If you say, you know, I just bought some EOS and I want to force myself to hold it for the next year, you drop it into the 12-month Rex pool and then you literally cannot sell it until that year is up, which is a pretty cool side feature as well. Maybe. So we talked about this privately. I talked about this with a few people privately. Yeah. Uh, Dan, Dan even did a follow-up blog article that kind of covered this. But hypothetically, let's say I uh, staked to the 10-year pool. My, I, I can't withdraw EOS. Well, I, I can withdraw some EOS. So I could withdraw 0.2% every week for those 10 years if I, right. if I do the 10-year yield. But what you could also do is you could tokenize the actual account. So let's say you owned a, a suffix from like EOS name service. I don't think you own this one yet, but like dot bond. And you right. could just create bonds, uh, one dot bond, two dot bond, three dot bond. And each one had, let's say a hundred EOS in it. So at minimum value, that account should always be worth 100 EOS. So you could tokenize it and you should be able to have like a base level value of 100 EOS, but actually it has more value than that EOS because you can com you can calculate the compounding interest on that 100 EOS and calculate what is that 100 EOS going to be worth in 10 years. And that's, that's, that's the unrealized value of that bond. And you could actually tokenize these bonds and sell them on an open marketplace. So this is creating more DeFi instruments than, than we could have ever imagined. It's, it's going oh, to be yeah. a very advanced financial system with all of these different locks, like uh, pro programmatic smart contract, like locking your tokens, just like a, a US bond would. 
or treasury bond. Uh, and then the other thing you could do is, um, so you're able to withdraw 0.2% per week from uh, the 10 year, year uh, staking pool. Now, I, I don't know like what the math would be on if, if, if you let it mature for like the first three years, let's say. Let's say you let it fully mature for three years. And then at the three year mark, you just started pulling out like 0.2%. Uh, I, I haven't done the math, but like how long would you have to do that until you recouped all of your costs? So we're talking about putting 100 EOS into a 10 year bond. Over what time period would I get my 100 EOS back if I was like withdrawing the whole time? Once you do That's that, it. you get all your base and you get your base investment back. Then that account is still entitled to future EOS and it has a value to it and you could sell it. It's all profits from there. There's yeah, so many ways to spin that, this. A lot of that depends on the game theory of how many people lock up their tokens for 10 years. Because if if you know there's one guy staking getting those 5 million tokens per year a lot of people are going to dump their eos into the 10 year to try to get more of that yield and ultimately the yield's going to go down and i think another interesting point that'll be interesting to watch is you know if i have say an account that that has 100 eos locked up for 10 years as someone else on the other side they might not be willing to pay the current market value of eos today for that 10 year bond because they lose the liquidity when they buy it so even though they get the yield they might pay less if I want to get mm -hmm. that instant liquidity and sort of get out of it. But to your point, I mean, fascinating the amount of financial instruments that this is a whole new sort of the DeFi realm for EOS um, other than Rex that we have today. So this is definitely my favorite part, a dance proposal but, for like, sure. When I say tokenize though, like it's not even just tokenizing to sell it on an open marketplace. You could tokenize the bond to use it as collateral against something else you want to buy. It's like oh, an yeah. asset. It's like owning a house or owning a treasury bond. Like you could take use that as collateral for for your next transaction, whatever that may be. Like yeah, there's so point. much it's, cool stuff here. It basically creates a, a derivative market where the derivative itself really has no value, but it's determined by the the value of the underlying asset. Which it, it, it would just be fascinating to watch, assuming that this part makes it into the final proposal, which I really hope mm -hmm. it does. Uh, I think there was something in the chat I saw earlier. Uh... Somebody suggested a hundred year lockup, which I think is <laughs> what's also, it would be interesting to watch, you know, block one has said in the past, they have a 10 year commitment to EOSIO, not necessarily the EOS mainnet, but EOSIO, it would be interesting. Will they lock up their, you know, 93 million tokens or however many it is that they have left in the 10 year bond and start earning a yield on that as well. What if they're the only ones doing it, then that yield would be very yeah. high. And what if they're oh, giving that yield back to their voice users or something? Yeah. So many like, different ways I, yeah, that this I don't could know. play out. Uh, 100%. So we, we knew going into this, that was a topic we really wanted to talk about was those bonds. I, I think however we have to do it, I think these staking pools need to get integrated into the governance proposal because it's going to lock up float, which which is good for the system. And even if these, uh, what I'm going to call bonds are tokenized, these accounts, that's great because they're never going to be able to put downward pressure on EOS. They'll put downward pressure on the like the bond market, but the, it, it's like kind of separate from the liquidity pool of EOS. Yeah. So it, it's some really interesting dynamics. I really want to see it play out. Um, but uh, there's a few more features of Dan's proposal we got to uh, hit up. So yeah, let's pull it up. BP pay reduced to half a percent. No standby BPs. Yeah. What do you think of that? I, I know this, how you I probably feel about that. I think ultimately putting my my interest in Cypherglass aside, if I didn't have a standby BP, I still think that this is the single biggest flaw of Dan's proposal, not because of the standby BP removal, but because of the BP pay reduction. I think it's going to be incredibly difficult to get 15 out of the top 21 BPs to approve a proposal who ultimately make the decision if they get a reduction in pay. However, in EOS New York's model, they could actually make more money and get a pay increase by implementing that proposal, which incentivizes them to implement it 
Whereas I cannot imagine the BPs would approve something like this when they basically get their pay cut in half. I just don't think that that would happen. Um, on the EOS New York proposal with the voter inflection point, yeah. is there a pay change? Uh, so I, if, if the voting goes below the inflection point, none of the non-voters get paid. Uh, but the BPs still still do in some way, but but from a, a smaller pool. But there's also yeah, less so, di- there's less dilution though. So correct. So inflation goes back to ten million if that VIP is not hit. If it ever drops below the the voter inflection point of the total amount of tokens that need to be voted for stakers to get rewards, it drops back to basically what it is today, which is ten million tokens for block producers. So at, at the very worst case scenario, block producers would make the same amount of money as they're making today on the current version of EOS. But in the best case, they could actually be making five times as much um, or potentially more um, uh, in the EOS New York proposal. So, so I think so that is that's the That's what I like incentive. about it is in a worst case scenario, voter inflection point fails, right? Like that's probably the worst thing that could happen. That's what some of the criticisms have been with this 30%. Well, in the worst case scenario, if it just brings us back to what we have today, uh, some argue that today's system's not completely broken. Uh, I, I don't know if I agree with that 100%. But the network still runs. We're not like it's not completely broken, but it does need improved. But like we're not in a worse position. Let's just say that. And I, I think if we ever went below the voter inflection point, I think it would like it would balance itself out. I think we'd always have like whales and exchanges that are uh, going to make make sure that if other people aren't voting, they're going to have to agree with it. I mean, they could do it over. I, I think Kevin Rose mentioned it. That this is something I forgot to say. Uh, if, if you want to dive into these. Uh, Kevin Rose was on uh, EOS Radio this past Wednesday. It's a very, very good episode. Uh, we're going to try to have Kevin on sometime next week. Also, we have to figure out a day. We'll probably just surprise you with it whenever it fits within uh, all of our schedules. Uh, but that was a great uh, video to watch if you want a deeper breakdown into this. Um, okay, so moving on with the Dan proposal, we really got to get through this thing. Uh, staking for net and CPU is separate from staking for rewards plus voting. Uh, is that that sounds similar to something that was in EOS New York's? That didn't it say that they separated? Uh... Yeah, it's it's basically the same as as EOS New York's proposal, um, and I think it's a good thing so that people who want the rewards don't ultimately take a piece of that pie of available CPU just for sitting in their account. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they remove block pay, uh, so it's just VPay strictly. Whereas EOS New York's kind of just flipped that model around a little bit. It's kind of like something completely different a little bit. Yeah, EOS New York actually removes block pay and vote pay. And block pay is if you're in the top 21 for producing blocks. It's the same for number one through 21. And vote pay is is based on the amount of votes you have. But in EOS New York's model, the amount of votes you have doesn't matter other than the rank you're in. So rank one always earns a certain percent of the inflation. Rank two always earns a certain percent. It's a bit more of a predictable model. All right. And then finally, uh, miss blocks reduce total rewards for voters. So this is also very similar. It's a feature called slashing. It exists on other blockchains, and it's it's called slashing. If if you don't do your job, like you get paid less. It's like yeah, it's a great it model. Be, that's how it should be. Like a lot of jobs, uh, yeah. and this this could be done programmatically. I think it's very important, though. Uh, I think it's very important that all any of these uh, slashings they all have to be done programmatically. And the same with like the uh, EOS forty two has been proposing like. Uh, uh, the punishments for like missing blocks and stuff. I think all of this is very important. You have to incentivize running the op- uh, the network at optimum speed without dropping blocks. And the best way to incentivize the block producers to get their shit together is to punish them in their pockets uh, if they don't do their jobs. Uh, because there's some block producers, even some in the top 21, that 
they don't necessarily have a team dedicated to the EOS blockchain. The EOS blockchain is one of many that they're running nodes on, so there's not like a big focus on it. But imagine if they're responsible uh, for dropping blocks and all of the block producers are getting less pay. So I think in one of the proposals, only the block producer that dropped the blocks gets a slash. I think that was ES New York's. But I think on Dan's, all of the block producers get punished uh, for, for bad uh, production behavior, I guess we'll call yeah, it. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that on ES New York, I believe it, it reduces vote pay for that particular BP that's missing the block. So it just punishes them. Mm-hmm. And then Dan, I think it just it actually punishes the voters. So if you vote for a BP, um, that isn't doing well, you actually get punished too, which is really interesting. So, so I like that. I think that's very much yeah. needed. Uh, and then, but before we move on to the next topic, uh, Brock Pierce was on a Max Dapp video recently, and he had a kind of dark view on governance. He basically said, if we don't get our, our shit together here quick, I think he said Q1, like we're going to be in some deep trouble. Whereas on EOS Radio, Kevin Rose actually said this is probably going to be up to like a one-year process to get all of this stuff implemented. And even on their launch plan, they broke it down into phases. All of this, uh, these changes don't get implemented at once. It's like one at a time, like one token, one vote being the first one. Yeah. So I think it's it's interesting. I think that year could vary wildly. And it, it really depends on the motivation of the top 15 out of 21 VPs. If they're motivated to get this passed, there's no reason why it couldn't be passed in Q1 of 2020. But I just don't know that the motivation is there for them, considering it took a month almost for these 1.8 features to get upgraded. And all they had to do were, were sign three transactions each, basically. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my biggest concern as well, is definitely governance. But like you said, I mean, the chain's still operating. Um, DApps are still building on it. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And the good news now is we have these proposals that are actually mm-hmm. implementable that actually change ways. So now it's just a matter of rallying the community and those top EPs to get this stuff implemented. I, I think we're in a position. So it, it's always, uh, there's like a dark cloud hanging over EOS until these proposals came out because everyone was like, what are we going to do? Like everything's bad. Like what, what, what's like, what do we have to look forward to? And everyone was just, like, we were the same way. It's like, when's this proposal going to come out? Like we just, want to like figure out what's the next step like how could we help and now we're able to help by communicating these proposals and working very hard to get them get them pushed through uh but in that time in between it was just like i said a dark cloud uh i'm glad it's been lifted but we still have a lot of work to do so let us know in the comments what you think of both proposals what do you like what you don't like uh join our telegram channel t.me front slash underscore eos uh, we'll be talking about this for weeks to come, so I don't think this is the only time we're going to uh, talk about these governance proposals, but we do have to move on because yeah. uh, Pios actually did some awesome stuff. We had someone in the chat just now asking about Pios, so I'll let Rob kick kick this one off because he's actually the, the Pios bull of the bunch. Yeah, so this is super exciting. Obviously, I hold Pios, like we said at the beginning, any tokens we mentioned, it's safe to assume we own for disclosure purposes. Um, but what's interesting about this, I don't understand the full technical ramifications of it, but effectively, Pios is, is proposing, um, hey, we need an easier way for people to basically do EOS improvement proposals or EIPs. And this is really popular in the Ethereum community. It started with Bitcoin with BIPs or Bitcoin improvement proposals. That's how we got SegWit. That's how hopefully we'll get things like BetterHash that um, sort of reduce the, the effect and power of mining pools. But on the topic of EOS, the Pios team came out and said, hey, we need EIPs and we're going to start with one that talks about elliptic curve operations intrinsics. Don't understand all the details there. It has <laughs> to do um, with encryption, I believe. Um, but Dan effectively uh, responded to them and said, sure, write it up and demonstrate how much of a performance gain it gets relative to the optimized compiled loss that it uses today. And uh, they basically came out, they wrote that proposal. 
as Dan requested. And Dan responded to an EOS Go article mentioning this proposal that POS put out and said, I talked with the team today, seems to be implying the POS team, and came up with a plan to enable dynamic linking of a WASM-based system library that block producers could deploy to a system account. It could be used to polyfill these kinds of intrinsics without having to hard fork every time we add a new one, which basically is a very long way of saying that in the future, we could avoid things like the 1.8 hard fork that had to be coordinated and took several months to plan um, by adding in this system contract that then block producers can agree to update without that coordinated hard fork. I just want so, to point out, what, do you think Dan is losing his mind talking to himself in this tweet? Or talking about <laughs> <laughs> talking are, to himself? <laughs> there are still rumors that Dan is Mel in the PS team. I don't, I don't really think that's true. <laughs> um, but it's totally possible. I mean, maybe he's just talking to himself. Uh, and then do you think he was talking about, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but while we're on it, do you think he was talking about the block one team or the POS team that he was discussing this with? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, the based on his his remarks on Twitter talking to the POS team directly, I, I think he's probably implying the POS team, but it definitely is open for interpretation since he didn't explicitly say one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So are we able to talk about what the elliptic curve actually improves, or are we just going to let someone more technical handle that another time? Yeah, I don't think we either of us have the technical knowledge to go into that. Yeah, I, I, and we're... we're uh, going a little long, but Dan, uh, I wanted to bring this up because Dan, uh, the way that tweet came up was Dan was like, what's, well, like, uh, what's Ethereum do good that, that EOS that, that should be added to EOS? Like, give me your good ideas. And I, I thought that was cool because he's like, if you're an ETH maximalist and you really love ETH for this one specific reason, let's say, uh, like Dan, Dan wants to know about it and then decide if it's better. He talked about, uh, what was it? Hyperledger the other day. There's like a really yeah. long thread where he was doing like a, an analysis of Hyperledger and like kind of breaking down the pros and cons and asking everyone like, what does this do that I can't do on EOS IO? Yeah. Um, it's been interesting. I mean, it clearly block one, Dan and, and many others included are, are much more active after the sec announcement of settlement. So it, it seems like not only are they now legally able to say more, but I'm sure their brain is obviously a lot more freed up of not worrying about this SEC cloud over their head. Yeah, I just, I just want to point out. So, I, like, I, I wanted to bring this up that Dan and Brendan also have been way more active since, like Rob said, the SEC, the SEC stuff came out. Uh, but it was cool that Dan showed up in Telegram the other day. He's been active on Twitter for a couple weeks now, but he hasn't been on Telegram. He came on Telegram. This is before the voice or Mark Zuckerberg speech and when everyone was still kind of like wondering, maybe this is something more than it is. And Dan like made a comment saying like, he's not going to be on Telegram anymore. There's too many imposters, but he said, follow him on Twitter and in, in the future voice. So it was cool just to see Dan talking about voice. But what I wanted to point out here is uh, go, going on Dan's uh Twitter page and then clicking on his tweets and replies. Like there's so much gold in there uh, that you're not gonna see if you only follow his tweets or only have notifications for his tweets. But just scrolling through his tweets and replies, you actually see like how engaged he's been. Like I'm, I'm looking at the screen here, like he'll, he'll make like, I don't know, on 17 hours ago, he made like 10 different replies. Wow. So in the last couple of days, I mean, he's he's just been on fire, super, super active in the community. This is what one of the things I, I absolutely love about Block One and EOS is how active oh, I actually have one of our future topics on. I might as well just cover it while it's on the screen. Uh, Blocks.io did a video demonstrating um, the EOS Authenticator app, which was super cool. Uh, this was it, it's basically the Block One code that they released back in May. But then EOS Laomao, uh deployed it to the App Store. 
And for a while, it was working on Jungle Testnet on like Blocks.io, but now it's working on any, any site that has the EOS Authenticator uh, integration. And if you're watching it on, on the screen here, it, it's going through a transaction. I don't think it played the whole way through. But check out this Ricardian contract that's about to pop up. Boom. Uh, that's what a Ricardian, if you don't know what a Ricardian contract is, it popped up there really quickly. But it's basically plain text of exactly like what the code is doing in a, in a smart contract transaction. It's saying, I agree to do this, 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 and this. And basically, this is what I'm signing to. And this would be really valuable in the case of uh, using an arbitrator for, for a different payment solution is you're basically uh, one, of, one of the terms of that Ricardian contract would say, in the matter of a disagreement, I agree to use this arbitrator to, to resolve any disputes. And then you both agree to it. So that's really cool. Uh, but what I wanted to point out, Dan's on fire on Telegram. I think that's enough for, for that topic. Uh, just follow him. Everyone's already probably following him. Uh, I only have one more topic, and I don't know if you wanted to cover that one or not. Yeah, I mean, the, this is the the Quick Start IDE or Integrated Development Environment from Block One. Um, it's all web-based, which is really interesting. But essentially what this allows developers to do is get up and running with a local version of a blockchain on their machine running uh, in really just a few seconds or minutes. Well, it's, depending it's actually on, on, the it's on the cloud, so it's not even on their machine. It, it's, oh, wow, really? Yeah, like we talked about this. So this code actually dropped for the web IDE a couple weeks ago. And we, we talked about it on the show already when the GitHub was live. But Block One, just like an hour before the show, tweeted this out and posted a blog about it. Oh, but like, nice. But like Rob said, like you could literally get a develop environment going point and click. And EOS, EOS Studio actually beat them to this. EOS Studio yeah. Cloud has been out for months now. So I highly recommend you check that out. I'm not at liberty to say which one's better uh, I, I think Peter Kay said that EOS Studio Cloud is still better from the comparison, but I don't know how much he played with uh, the new one. But I, I can remember, like Rob, you were a mentor at the San Francisco Hackathon, the Global Hackathon, and I, I was on a, on a hackathon team, and I just remember how hard it was to, to get all the environments set up for people because yeah. I remember like every night they installed Docker is like a, I don't know, a couple gigabyte file. And they're like, we recommend you download this in advance because there's going to be like 500 of you and you can't all download at the same time. Even in Silicon Valley, our internet's not fast enough to download all those huge files. And I just remember like getting up and running used to be so hard. And now you could do it point and click. Oh it's yeah. Just, it's well, and this is you, just you one of coding. many things. That, that's making it easier for developers. We had obviously gray mask with the, the Swift SDK coming out. Um, so, so much stuff is happening that just makes it easier for developers to build. And then ideally easier for users to be onboarded with it as well with things like liquid accounts and uh, so much more. So really exciting that we can kind of see the foundation being laid for what will hopefully be mass adoption of dApps over the next few years. I can't wait. I, 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 I think I forgot to mention one thing and that was, uh, the multiplier. So are we still dealing with the uh, CPU uh, congestion? Is that guy still spamming the network? Uh, I don't think so. It seems like he let up. I haven't had, had any problems recently. Um, so I, it seems like it's kind of back to normal. Yeah, I, I, it's out of context. I, I, I kind of want to talk about the multiplier because I think with vCPU, I meant to bring this up in the VPU section, but with vCPU, I, I'm 100% I'm on board now with uh, getting rid of that multiplier because I think with EOSIO 2.0, uh, we should probably see that within the next couple of months, I would assume, right? Like it's already uh, running on the test nets. We saw the speed oh, yeah. improvements we that saw we went the over last candidate. week. I mean, it's very close. Uh, so once we get that 16x improvement, that should be fast enough to run any base layer application, uh, 
assuming like voice doesn't just like completely like crush the network which i doubt <laughs> it, it would uh they wouldn't deploy it if it wasn't ready but i i, I think uh i, I want to talk about that multiplier next week i think i want to see i guess if, uh, it's only relevant if there's a uh, congestion but never mind i am rambling here i think it's time to close out the show it's ready to uh start our weekend rob uh you have anything else that we we missed out on or left out uh, I think that's it. Head to cypherglass.com, check out our new services, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. I'm Rob Finch. And I'm Zach Go. And this is, is everything, everything EOS. Go, go EOS. EOS. Leave a Go EOS in the chat, smash the thumbs up, and we'll see you next time.